Hello, welcome to Circuit and Gear, a podcast where we discuss scenic automation and other interesting tech. I'm Gareth Connor, and I'm Mike Wade. Mike, we're back. Only one month since our last recording. I mean, <clears throat> technically, I think five weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I'm not sitting in a hotel room. Yeah. So you know. And neither and yeah. Neither yeah, yeah. are you. I think we're no. you know doing this in the land of the living in like normal right. normal time in life. So <laughs> that's right. You know, we're certainly not going to talk about the bourbon we're drinking now. <laughs> right yes yeah just for uh for reference it's like 8 45 in the morning so there might be a problem if there's much bourbon drinking going on uh, yeah definitely more of a coffee podcast <clears throat> hey so we've got a it's gonna be kind of a short podcast today just because uh i've got to run um but we've got a, a good list of meaty topics to to bang through um the first one up is the stagehand servo. Yeah. What is that thing, Mike? Woo! It's a stagehand, but it can control a servo. What? <laughs> <laughs> it's like we rehearsed this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so we, uh, for those of you who don't know, we had started developing really the path towards a servo control uh, and dove dove really into it in the uh, with the practical um as we kind of developed the practical and figured out what that was and a servo motor was so awesome in that little tiny hoist um and then we had some we had another customer who asked us about creating a servo drive and so we uh now we we have a we have a fully blown stagehand servo controller and uh i think right now we're we got it paired with a mishibishi uh mishibishi amplifier and and servo motor, right? That's what we're right, that's right. Yeah, we we were kind of investigating two paths. Um, there are many servos out there, many servo brands, um, and we had really liked the also the uh, Lexium series servos from Schneider. Yeah, they were cool. um, but when we were, st- yeah, they're very cool. <clears throat> they have a really nice form factor, and they have some great features uh, that we were looking forward to using. Um, but when we were knee deep in Spotlight Practical. Um, they were having delivery issues, uh, getting those drives to us and the motors to us, uh, in a timely fashion. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> like eight to 12 weeks kind of timely fashion. So, yeah. Um, so a little too, at that point, a little we too long to our, for our normal, our normal customer <laughs> yeah. requests. That, that would almost <laughs> never work. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so we, we went back to Mitsubishi who we've used for years on VFDs and they also have a great, uh, servo line. Um, it doesn't, it's missing some of the features we were hoping for, uh, just for communication stuff there. The performance of the servo is great, but, um, and then the drive itself is like a five KW drive, I believe. Yeah. It's a, I don't think I'm lying on that. It's big. Yeah. So this is like inside the practical, of course, it's very diminutive servo, 200 watt servo, but this, this standalone (laughs) servo drive was in, is is large it's large yeah it's like a <clears throat> and that servo the motor too is like i don't know it was maybe a third of a size of a third the size of of a five horse induction motor and even though that's significantly right. smaller it's still enormous <laughs> in comparison <laughs> right. to that like 200 200 watt 300 watt motor in the um mitsubishi yeah yeah in the spotline practical oh uh, yeah yeah in mean, the practical yeah, yeah. So this is a right. 
a five kilowatt drive and it's 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 big um the drive itself is uh, 6u is that right something like that it's, yeah it's uh, very small in comparison <laughs> yeah um and it's uh yeah anyway it's 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 pretty sweet to have the at a five kilowatt range it still peaks out way above like multiple times higher than a um, five horsepower um, five horsepower induction motor right like so a five horsepower induction motor would be 3.7 kilowatt equivalent but this um, has a you know a constant rating of five kilowatt but then it can peak it's like 15 kilowatt so intense. for those start, <laughs> it's intense yeah especially during like acceleration and deceleration yeah it can really <laughs> throw up some big numbers yeah and so and gary yeah. you said the 6u so that's the stage hand so we're not just the not just the mishu drive that's in there the servo drive but this the whole stage hand is like 6u tall and we kind of took the stab of it following the the idea of the apprentice is a rack mount like this is a rack mount idea a rack mount path uh, it's very cool it's a very cool setup yeah 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 it's nice it's uh it's pretty fancy so um yeah it's exciting just to be to that point of having uh, yet another uh option for motors uh, with stagehand control running from spike mark and then from the outside it looks exactly all i mean from from the end user's perspective it just looks the same right it's the uh, it runs in spike mark just like everything else and it uh you know you cue it just to, you can have these these servos mixed in with your induction motors or your hydraulic axes or your dc motors anything uh, they all they all look the same same um, but the servo drive also has, much like the practical and the apprentice, it has the limit override buttons built in. Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, which is nice. <laughs> it's just such a bad. It's it's a great addition, I think, on the especially on the load in front. You know, you're mm -hmm. trying to blow. You know, you're just trying to just trying to jog the machine, and you haven't gotten to set your limits. And that was, uh, you know, being able to bypass those limits at the moment while you're jogging it manually is is a great. It's a great feature and certainly helpful to me, even after just, you know, one, one, one trip out into the weeds on a gig. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, it's good, I think. Yeah, definitely. And then the, um, the only other, um, change that we had kind of had to do in the, in spike mark to support it was the, uh, was a way to reset the drive. So if the drive were to fault, um, which includes, um, any e-stop because it's a safe torque off e-stop um any e-stop that occurs above like i don't know five percent speed something like that um it will go into a fault condition that has to requires a explicit reset so um we use just one of the spare io contacts on the stagehand card uh to send a reset signal to the servo drive um and so in the in spike mark in the motor properties pane uh, in the advanced setting there's now an option for um, how to reset the drive remotely and eventually that little list will become filled with other options at the moment it's just use auxiliary to contact to reset drive which is what we're doing in the um, stagehand servo yeah. um, but then as we 
with some new things on the horizon, there'll be other options in there for resetting other drives as well so that we can uh, uh, hook up to other drives that either require like a, a Modbus uh, connection or some other serial link or um, or other other methods of resetting the drive. So that's in there too. Yeah, it's some it's it's gonna be cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. It's nice. It's the as as we've talked about in the past, like the, the huge advantage for us of servo is just to be able to pack that much power into just small footprint of the machine. So it's it's pretty exciting to have that option there. And be fun to to see how many how small some of these machines start to shrink with servos in them. Yeah. It's could be impressive. <laughs> could be impressive. Indeed. Yeah. Well, so, you know, outside of the servo and, you know, all of the other awesome stuff that's happening in the shop, Gareth, you've been a little busy kind of recently. Uh, yeah. You have been distracted. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you know, I don't know really what's going on. <laughs> you want to tell everybody? <laughs> yeah, so for the past few years, embarrassingly to admit how long this has been going on, uh, for the past, past few years, I've been working on a stage automation handbook. Um, and I, I think I mentioned it maybe... I've certainly mentioned it to plenty of people, and I don't remember if I've ever mentioned it on the podcast or not. But uh, regardless, that uh, I've been working with uh, what used to be Focal Press um, and is now Taylor Francis, uh, which is an imprint of Rutledge uh, Publishers. Um, they approached me several years ago to see if I'd be interested in writing a, um, a book about stage automation. And at first I was a little hesitant because I was like, ah, I don't know if I have the time, et cetera, et cetera. And then I was like, ah, it'd be, it'd be fun. It'd be really, it'd be really good to dive into it and get a chance to, um, both like uh, recount some of the, the hard lessons learned over the years. And then also give me an opportunity to do some research on some of the technology that I'm not as, uh, familiar with, um, and kind of academically research it without a, without having to just always, you know, look at things for um, specific products, but just to, I don't know, just to read about automation because that's kind of fun. Um, so that, at long last, the manuscript is finally off my plate. So in, <laughs> <laughs> it was quite a push, and the uh, <laughs> the publishers have been patient, <laughs> but uh, I think they were nearing the end of their patience as well because uh, we basically got to the point where it's, uh, you know, we had to get it, I had to get everything wrapped up uh, by the end of August. Otherwise, we were basically we we're going to have to slip a whole another year uh, in the publishing, and that that didn't sit well with anybody. Um, and we were within spitting distance, uh, but it was a, it was a push to get it done. And I think I've been through <laughs> I've been on the book long enough that I've been through three editors, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you should be proud about that. <laughs> <laughs> and and a name change on the publisher yeah it's like i've been the one constant i've been the, the cornerstone um, they they swear that other people sometimes take as long as this but uh i think they do that say those things mostly mostly to make me not feel so bad but it anyway all that aside it really was a great experience i'm glad it's over i'm not sure i'd ever do it again but i'm i am glad it's uh done and it feels like a great accomplishment to finally have it out there i think in the end like just raw text it was like somewhere around 250 pages in word i mean it hasn't been laid out yet but it was about 250 pages of just text and then there's around 
500 figures that had to either, you know, were, were either pictures of things or drawings, uh, diagrams, etc. Um, and that had to be put together. Some of them are, some of them are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> They're all awesome, Gareth. Not to demean any of it, but man, some of the, the little stick figure drawings. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah you know, everyone will see it when it comes out, of course, but yeah, there's a, uh, I mean, there are obviously some, some real technical drawings in there. Um, but then, uh, wherever I could, I tried to kind of lighten up the tone of the book by including, um, hand drawings of some of the concepts, uh, you know, much like the theme of our company, the, the hope of the book is that it'll be accessible for a broad range of people. Not to say that it skimps on like deep dive technical knowledge, um, but that we, I try not to take myself too seriously in the book. So, um, there is, I think a lot of really good meaty, um, information, especially there's a, a pretty good chapter on networking that, I, that, uh, the the folks that did the technical review on the book who were were great, um, uh, Paul Kelm uh, had a big hand in the technical review of the book. He read every chapter and offered insight. Uh, and then John Shimon also did a lot of uh, review of a couple of key chapters and um, <clears throat> and Scott Molman as well uh, on some of the early chapters in the book uh, pitched in and. Uh, but the <laughs> everyone when they got to the networks chapter it was like this is cool it may be a little too deep um <laughs> so but i pushed back a little bit and said you know what this is the one shot we've got to make a, a to get the information out there i mean it, yes it may be too deep and maybe it's not for everybody but that's okay you can skip it if you don't care that much about networking um but i think it's good to have it in the book because uh, it's a deep dive into into the you know kind of standard um, information technology networks and then also some of the con uh, field bus controls as well. So anyway, and then in the end to like get all those figures done, um, a bunch of the <laughs> folks that I work with in the shop pitched in for a, a couple of long weeks of <laughs> drawing drawing with me. Yeah. Um, like Steve Nath and, and Rada and uh, Jessica all uh, pitched in and, and did, did a bunch of bunch of work to get me across the finish line which was huge and uh yeah 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 anyway that i'm rambling now yeah. but it, it's exciting to, to finally have it done and my family is really happy that it's finally done because <laughs> 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 i think it's september i took my first weekend in a few years and was like you know first full weekend and a few years not that i've never taken a day off but just it was the first time where i like it yeah a weekend day <laughs> went by where I was like, you know what? I don't have to do anything. I'm just going to sit on my I'm porch. not going to go to a... <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but I hope everyone likes it. I hope it's a, you know, I hope it proves useful for people and I'm excited to see it in print. I think the, if I, I think that the publisher's aiming to have at least some, some advanced copies or, you know, um, first prints of it uh, for USATT. If, uh, if, if that, if I if I understand the schedule, which is I have a tentative grasp on it, but at this point it's it's off in production land, so pretty stoked. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I think it's you know even just reading those early, even just e reading those early versions of the book, um, there's a lot in there, a lot of good, a lot of good, a lot of good meat to to kind of bring to bring around all of the components and the pieces to to you know to make and then operate an automation system and how yeah. how that differs from everything else. 
Yeah, and, I, 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 and lastly, I should make a big, <laughs> big point that my wife Emily um, did a ton of copy edit, editing <laughs> on the book, like because she has an actual liberal arts degree and she's good with the words, so she helped immensely in reading the drafts and offering uh, critique on the on the writing which is not to, I mean anything that's left in there that's bad writing is still my fault but it's uh, <laughs> but it's, it was not without her her effort to try to turn it into well-formed prose so. <laughs> that's excellent <laughs> yeah <clears throat> so yeah anyway that's the book and uh yeah hopefully uh, i'm looking forward to seeing it and hopefully by usitt the other people can see it too um moving on uh we've a couple uh months ago ish we did some experimenting with um playing with different mitsubishi uh parameters for our hoist uh, hoisting application. Can you hear that in the background? Yeah. It's my dog going crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's making his Wookiee noises. Is he, is he getting beat up by the cat today? <laughs> he just likes to. He doesn't make him look smart, but he likes to rub his head on the carpet and then make uh, make Chewbacca noises. <laughs> He's, just, he's a very sweet dog, but not incredibly bright. Oh, he's an awesome dog. Come on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Mitsubishi and hoisting, we were trying to find um, some solutions for uh, kind of better speed control in various situations. And there was one situation in particular uh, that we were we were messing with to try and get better response right what was that about Mike? With, uh one of us one of our customers had wanted to do a really slow really slow hoist move um you know picking up a ceiling structure or something like that over the course of i, I want to say it was like i want to say it was like 40 minutes or something crazy um and so it was really slow and we were actually below the <laughs> in order to move that to move it in the distance they wanted and the time they wanted, we we're actually we we're actually well below our minimum <laughs> our minimum frequency, um, and so we were. But then we we offered up some solutions about how to do some queuing and hopefully we could get some queuing in there to, you know, to linked queues and um, and slow moves to to eke out the uh, the ceiling piece and keep it you know keep it looking pretty smooth and movement. Oh. So rather than do like one long continuous slow slow move, do like a bunch a of staggered steps. Bunch of steps. Move it slowly, wait for a little bit. Move it slowly, mm -hmm. wait for a little bit. And um, we had somebody. We had I think Rada in the shop was actually the one who put together the 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 first show file as an attempt. And then when we got back from we got back from uh, from the theater, they were like, "Yeah, this is great, except it looks like the it looks like the unit's dropping every time we start a move." And we're like, "It's doing what now?" Yeah. Um, and sure enough, after a little bit of investigation, they were, you know, they were right close to the limit on a spot line on the hoist and on the weight limit. And, uh, and so we found that, that in fact, there was a little bit of a drop, um, on our testing on a spot line with 500 pounds on it in the shop. And so then we started digging through the Mitsubishi parameters on the A800 and we came across something that, and, hmm? and like a, just to be clear, it was like a little droop at the beginning. Of a the little move, droop. not like yeah. uh, crashing to the ground. It was no, it like was a, like it would hesitate downward. Yeah, it was a little, maybe a half, half an inch, inch 
maybe something yeah. like that. I mean, I don't know. I was in the shop when we when we were looking at it that day. And, yeah. you know, and it wasn't dropping. It, I'm sorry. It wasn't dropping dramatically, but it was definitely it was definitely not just going up. Right. Um, and so we started investigating the Mishu, the Mitsubishi A800 parameters and some of the parameters that we that we generally ignored because they were we had never we had never found a good use for them. And one of the ones I think, Gareth, you it was either you or Steve who came across the easy gain settings which are these yeah. which are these <clears throat> kind of esoteric wacky 800 the 800 series uh parameters and um and we started goofing around with them to try and figure out if we could get a better a uh, better low speed low speed response with a f- picking up a full load um right cuz anyone who's you know f- who's ever delved deep into how like VFDs and induction motors work, you know that it, that's the, that's the worst thing for an induction motor to try to do is do a super low frequency, uh, pick like that, because it's, you know, the, the way that they, you have to generate the, the field <clears throat> around the rotor is pretty tricky. Um, <laughs> to keep that thing like, you know, getting servo like performance out of a VFD is, is hard and you've got basically two different you know we've got our pid positioning loop through spike mark and the stagehand control card that's trying to correct for position error um <clears throat> but then we're sending out a speed command signal to the vfd and the vfd has a second loop pid loop that it's running um to regulate speed to try and match the speed command that we're giving it and so the the easy gain settings are basically like an auto adjusting dynamic um pid uh filter for the speed or the velocity command uh at the vfd level and it it was parameter 818 818 is the yeah it was the easy gain was the main easy gain uh response so like yeah how do we how aggressive does the vfd try and keep this on track and on target right um and 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 there's a funny thing there too like you set the so it's a a range of like one to 15 like one being the weakest 15 being the strongest or most aggressive um and like you set it and then you have to run the vfd for several seconds at low speed under the load so it can kind of witness the load and make adjustments to its gain settings yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. I found the cryptic, the cryptic, cryptic statement here. I mean, like, we have to, in yeah. order to properly calibrate, you must run the motor to half speed within five seconds, and then back down to zero within five seconds. And yeah. and this is how it, how then the VFD uses its smarts and tries to figure out how to, you know, how to set, excuse me, how to set the rest of these, you know, how to set the rest of these settings that it's doing in the easy gain. Yeah, um, and then the parameter eight nineteen basically just tur- toggles the easy gain on, on and off. Yeah, yeah. And for any of you guys who have looked at the parameter list, eight twenty is one that we set in the past, and that is the the P gain setting, and we had right. set that at twenty. Um, but then if we actually turn easy gain on, and we have it do its thing, <clears throat> um, you know, easy gain the eight eighteen is set to something 
other than well i guess it's uh, the 819 is set to on um the the mitsubishi then the 800 sets the after after running this up you know up and back to half speed it sets parameter 820 821 and 880 automatically yeah um and then the real we, the real kick in the pants good. is that if this doesn't work <laughs> and you don't want to use it anymore if you just turn parameter 819 off the uh the drive actually just holds all of the data that it had stored <laughs> right yeah. you have to go back and wipe those parameters yeah, out yeah yeah um and we also found so we we found as we started playing around with these numbers and we you know we determined I don't know. We found that <clears throat> found that we could set parameter A18 to two, and we got a pretty good we got a pretty good return on that investment um, without without having other problems introduced into the into the situation. Um, we could you know be more aggressive on the parameter A18, but we would get some we potentially get some like undesirable motion and noise from the motor as it's trying to yeah. hold you know, hold what's going on. Um, <laughs> and uh, let's see, what did, what did Steve say? If we set A18 to three, we could get a better response, but it would occasionally, I like the use of occasionally here, produce unwanted motor <laughs> noise that couldn't be fully removed through the yeah. cycle testing. Um, so uh, we had high hopes and we actually had gone down the road of changing our parameter files that we were just going to, all of our 800s we're gonna we're gonna use this new easy gain setting and then we came up i think it was a i think it was a push stick that we had in the shop that had all manner of crazy noise happening to it and it was the kind of like the brake was was blown or bum and so we were diving into what this was and then we realized that maybe this was actually the easy gain setting (laughs) right (laughs) that was causing all this trouble yeah, so I think the takeaway is that it's you know it's an interesting setting to know about, and if you are trying to like eke the most performance out of a system, it's a it's worth knowing that it's there, and that you could potentially use it to good effect. But it's not something that like we can ever like turn on as a stock setting because we're gonna continue to just keep using our like a a canned, uh, fairly minimal proportional gain on the drive uh, speed loop. Um, and, uh, and then if, you know, maybe you'll, you know, again, if you're in a, in a performance situation where you need that extra, some extra response out of the VFD, it might be worth, might be worth playing with. Um, but then it's, (laughs) the results are not, are not consistent enough to say that it can be used all the time. Yeah. And I feel if we spent more time, you know, if we're setting this up in a factory, right, which is where these vfds are going right and they're running the same machine then for years and years and years we could spend some time goofing around with it and get it there but yeah it's just not yeah but not as a uh for a stock setting that you're going to repurpose the machine over and over again yeah yeah it just didn't work out didn't work out but good to know about and it's a good thing for any fans out there of uh vfd twiddling to to know (laughs) Yeah, go look, go look it up and and uh, play play with it if if the need arises. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just what we need. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> right. Well, yeah. Well, you know, if you're an enthusiast, yeah. you'll, now you'll know where to look. Yeah, no, it's totally um, worth it. <clears throat> yeah. Um, we had a, an exciting weekend. Woof. Man, <laughs> Friday night was Friday night was excellent. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, on Friday I got a I got it like 9:45. I got three voicemails and three emails. One sent through the web inquiry, one sent to support, and one sent to me. Uh, all all from a customer who had some equipment out on uh, who had a rental, uh, who was out in L.A. And uh, they said everything's not our stage hands aren't working. Please call us. Please call us. I'm like, oh God, <laughs> this, is, this can't be good. Um, and uh, and we came to find out they had some. They had two apprentices out with them on their show and a couple of curtain calls that were set up to work with the apprentice that were uh, set up to work with 100 and 120 volt single phase input um, on our apprentices. And uh, and it appears that uh, that somewhere in the line. Uh, the house electrician provided 220 volt single phase. Uh, And there was a loud pop. pop. Yeah. When I got on the phone with them, I was like, so what's going on? They were like, well, um, well, it got the, the stagehands got 220 volts. Uh, They turned on and we heard a pop in both of them. I was like, yep, I, I certainly bet you did. That's yep. uh, Those will never turn on. again. Yeah. Yeah. The stagehand, interestingly now, so like the rest of the gear, right? All of, the rest of the componentry in there, inside the station, the power supply, the contactors, all those are essentially the same bits and pieces for the three-phase version. Um, yeah. So the stagehand card was still okay, and all the yeah. well, and we haven't gotten the gear back yet, but you know our. But should be all the other gear is fine. Yeah. It's just the but that VFD. The VFD not fine. Um, not fine. <laughs> not, not okay. And. Uh, you know, out of all the things that we need in that box, the VFD is pretty important. Um, yeah. At least if we want to control a motor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can still talk to it on Spike Mark, which is nice. But yeah, uh, you, can, you can see exactly where the encoder is standing completely still. stationary. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, uh, so Friday night, by the time we got through this, you know, it was like... 10:30 or 11, quarter to 11. By the time I finally got on the phone and we had sorted out what happened, and you know those, those guys were, and those guys were clearly knee deep in the weeds. Uh, oh yeah, and that's a terrible that's feeling. A, I mean, uh, you know, it's like you're on the other side of the country and the gear has just exploded basically, yeah. and now what? Yeah. And it's like show still has to go on. Like Monday was their rehearsal. I Sunday. Think. <laughs> Sunday was rehearsal. Yeah. I first learned when I first learned, they said, yeah, yeah. Rehearsals Monday. I was like, okay, well we could get somebody there. We could get some gear there for Monday morning. And as it turns out, the rehearsal was really Sunday. Um, and as we started on Saturday morning, uh, Saturday morning, you and I caught up on the phone and, we're like, well, what is our best response here? Like, how can we do this? And, you know, ultimately what we did is uh, we took, we had an apprentice, we had a stagehand apprentice sitting on the, the mad scientist bench. Yeah, uh, we, we held we held one back as a as a testing rig, basically, to keep uh, development work going. And it's been kind of quarantined over, yeah. <laughs> right, over in the testing lab. Yeah. And we had, uh, we checked OTS, our inventory stuff, our inventory software system and it was like well we have all of the parts to make another one yeah yeah. and uh and so i think 
I think right there, you know, it was somewhere around 10 o'clock in the morning. I was on the phone with the folks out in California on, on site, uh, talking to the, you know, the, <clears throat> the owner principal of this shop, uh, trying to identify what our, you know, a course of action is. Uh, I think I texted Rada at 10 a.m. and asked him what he was doing that weekend, this weekend. Yeah. And if we could, <laughs> if we could get on a, if we could get on a plane. <laughs> How would you like to go to California? Yeah, with a couple of stagehands, you know? Yeah. Uh, one of which exists at the moment, yeah. and the other one, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, so I think between about 10.30 in the morning and, uh, and 4.30, 4 o'clock. Yeah, it was uh, <laughs> right. I mean, we I got to the shop at 11 and then uh, and started building the, the next stagehand, which was a... Which was actually a fun moment to realize that, like, I'd never actually built a stagehand apprentice before, which is uh, the first time that's happened for me. That I'm like, huh, I've never laid hands on these. Like, I've <laughs> you know, obviously been involved in the design of it and reviewed it and stuff from a production perspective, but never put one together. <laughs> but luckily, it was good to see that the system all works because we had you know great documentation on it and assembly slideshows and everything and all, all the inventory stuff was there. So, uh, yeah, we put that, that guy together as Rada was like gussying up the, uh, the one from the test bench and packing a, a, a case of spare parts, parts. and tools yeah. and then like running home to get clothes. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then by three thirty we were wrapped up in two stage ends in boxes and Rada was heading out to the airport. Yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a push, and then um, you know we we pushed hard in the shop on Saturday morning, and uh, Rada got to L.A. at like 11 p.m. or something, and uh, Sunday morning they got on site with the with the crew and they swapped out the stagehands and everything was up and running in 30 maybe 40 minutes. Um, yeah. Which is really kind of awesome. I mean, it, you know, not to <laughs> not to pat ourselves on the back too hard because um, obviously it would be great to, you know, it would be great if nobody ever had the problem of uh, patching the wrong voltage in and that there was no need for a response like this. But it was pretty great that we were able to do it like that. They, you know, I guess not. You know, not quite. Tw- well, I mean, within like 24 hours of first contact, we had somebody at least in in their uh, neighborhood with the replacement gear. And then within 36 hours, all the equipment was replaced. It was running. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, there was, uh, I did speak to somebody on the, out at the, out at the gig, um, from the customer side, you know, just not, not just Rada. Um, and they said, you know, everybody was a little panicked about these things cause they had these two curtain calls that were moving, you know, big, important pieces for this, for this show. Yeah. It was like doors, I think, you know, it was like entrances to the stage for some corporate <laughs> right. theater gig. And, um, you know, and there was <laughs> Rada told me, Rada had mentioned, uh, sent me a text at one point. I was like, Hey, how's it going? He was like, it's great. There's a lot of people who are really concerned. <laughs> 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 like yeah. they don't say when the automation doesn't work I, <laughs> exactly um, everyone's sitting around watching that one guy yeah. like yeah. this is gonna work right yeah. don't sweat <laughs> so far <clears throat> yeah 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 um, but what was the other i mean it was i was really happy that we were able to help them out and get that 
done in such a timely fashion and it was a great team effort. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, obviously you spent a lot of time with the customer on the phone and then, uh, you know, Rada did heroic work to get out there and, and I pitched in for a couple of hours putting a stage in together and it was, you know, it was a great, a great team effort. But even more impressively to me is like the, you know, the guy who's been trying to build the company for 13 years is that like Monday morning came and it, and we were still churning out more projects, you know, that this did not in the past, you know, in the, in the bad old days, <laughs> or, <laughs> you know, we, I might've still done something like that, but uh, everything would have ground to a halt. Yeah. Like, cause it would have been me or one other person or something like on site and then nothing else would have happened in the shop. But that wasn't the case at all. Like Monday morning came and more rentals went out the door and more equipment started going, more prototypes were yeah. being built and, it's it's exciting to see that you yeah. know like it's, it's very very fun to like wow nice we're we're firing on all cylinders that's great yeah it's good it's good and you know and it was uh i mean it's awful to be stuck in that in that rut you know when you're <clears throat> when you're on site and, and yeah. things go things go off the rails so fast you don't know what happened um but you know hopefully i you know it seems it it feels like we did uh you know, it feels good that we were able to actually get them the gear and the swap out was simple. Um, right. You know, and, um, yeah. And I mean, it sounds like at that point, everyone, everyone, (laughs) everyone knew what was going on, but if somebody had, it was almost fast enough that if somebody was not paying close attention, they wouldn't even have known, you know, that there was a, a, a problem, which is great. And at least we didn't, you know, they were able to, it didn't affect their timeline, you know, adversely. Like the, the rehearsals were still able to happen. Their show still went off without a hitch. Like all those things lined up. Yeah. Yeah. So it was good. It was good to, it was good to be able to, you know, be part of the solution. Yeah. It shakes the rust off for yeah. sure. <laughs> and you figure like it all kicked off, you know, late Friday night. So this was all after normal business hours and everything. Yeah. Uh, still, still managed to get it all out there and, and get a show up. Cause it, you know, it was, we were talking in the in the shop either that day or the you know or maybe it was on monday i don't remember honestly but uh, you know like it because it, it, somebody asked you know like well how did it, how did the wrong voltage get hooked up and you're like it, i mean that's an interesting question academically but it kind of doesn't matter right like in the sense that uh, not that we shouldn't try to produce you know make sure that we help people out from from making that mistake in the future but like ultimately like if the thing just didn't work for the show it's just bad it's just bad yeah. all it doesn't matter why it didn't happen it just ends up being you know a, an instance where the automation didn't work and then you make that producer nervous right about ever using automation again and uh and that we certainly don't want that we want people to have confidence More that automation, automation works yeah more automation. Put a motor on everything. <laughs> Put a servo over there. It's small. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Hey, well, I don't. I'm sorry to cut things off short, but I'm out of time for yeah. today. So. Well, I'm glad um, that we got another one in the can. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, we did it. <laughs> Woohoo! Almost within four weeks. Go us. Um, <laughs> go us. Woo! <laughs> All right. All right, sweet. So uh, thanks, everyone, for listening, as always. Uh, if you like the show, please rate it on 
on iTunes and tell your friends. It's the best way for people to find the show. And if you have things that you'd like us to talk about, send an email to podcast at creativeconnors.com, and we'll see you next time.